This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Kicking off Hour 2, Logo and J-Mac along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems, they're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. All things Flames and Leafs in Hour 1. If you missed any of it, check us out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. We heard from head coach Ryan Huska, Nazem Kadri. Also, take a look at the opposition with our pal Brent Gunning from Sportsnet 590 in Toronto. Talked about Walker Dewar being assigned to the Calgary Wranglers, Adam Klapka's recall, and the news that it is Dan Vladar v. Martin Jones in goal tonight at the Scotiabank Saddledome. So if you missed any of that, Make sure to check it out on the pod. We'll dive back into the Flames and the Leafs coming up in just a little bit. A quick reminder, the fan feedback line is always open to you. Shoot us a text at 960-960. My outstanding producers, our outstanding producers this hour, are Cam and Shan. Very happy to kick off Hour 2 by going down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline and welcoming in our Thursday regular from the Cinephile Podcast, NHL Network, MLB Network, it's our pal Adnan Verk. AV, happy Thursday, pal. How are you? Logo, Julian, how you guys doing? A lot of good talk. Sounds like Martin Jones diving in. I love it. Yes, we got a ton to get to. And look, I I hate doing this. I don't ever like doing this. Oh, boy. I couldn't text you on Monday. I, I just I couldn't bring myself to do it because I've been there. But I, I have to start with. What we feared was going to happen in Tampa Bay happened to your Eagles, man. Yeah. How disappointing was that to finish off this season? I saw you. I saw you tweeting it. Uh, you want you want Nick Sirianni gone after that? What happened to the Eagles, who were at one point ten and one on the season, Adnan, and didn't even finish the year, including a playoff game with twelve wins? Yeah, it's absolutely shocking to have that kind of a debacle happen, fellas. Um, you know, it's still tough to process, I'll be honest. I just I don't know how this kind of thing can happen, and yet it has happened. And, um, you know, honestly, there's a lot of blame to go around. That's why I blame Sudani. You know, I look at it and say, how can you have a 10-1 team and have that kind of collapse? It really is inexcusable. And there's plenty of blame to go around. You know, I look at the season overall, and so they, they really lost a lot with their coordinators. You know, Shane Steichen was their offensive coordinator. He goes and becomes the Colts coach. Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator, becomes the Cardinals coach. And that's a big deal when your OC and your DC are gone. I mean, we didn't appreciate how, what a big deal that was because, you know, Desai takes over on the offense, Sean Desai, uh, excuse me, the defense, and was so bad, like with six games left, Matt Patricia gets to take over the play-calling duties, and they said, well, Desai's still the D.C. I'm like, yeah, but you basically just lost your job because the defense is a sieve. And offensively, Brian Johnson never got things going, first-time coordinator. And Troy Aikman even said that, you know, when, when Joe Buck was kind of doing the autopsy on the Eagles late in the fourth. He's like, what do you think happened? And, and Aikman said, listen, Brian Johnson's a nice man, but th- this offense never really got rolling the way they did a year ago. A year ago, they looked unstoppable. And what I can't figure out is how you can have a Pro Bowl running back in, in DeAndre Swift. You can have three Pro Bowlers in the offensive line. Jason Kelsey, let's hope he's coming back. Lane Johnson as well. And, like, how can, how you can have that? And they never ran the ball. Like, I just – I never understood 
their thought process with their offensive philosophy, especially with A.J. Brown being out. Like, I just thought, you know what, they're going to run the ball. They did that earlier in the season, and they did it to the tune of you know, 200 yards. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm coughing up to think about this. But how do you know? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah. How do you know? He's, phys- he's physically sick talking <laughs> about his Eagles. Why did you start with this, Logan? <laughs> yeah. Physically ill, just thinking about this. But the amount of times, fellas, that I look back and I said, you got three pro bowlers in your offensive line. You have a pro bowl running back, and they just never ran the ball. They just love throwing in, and every single time they'd be third and long. And credit to Todd Bowles, who's a great coach and a terrific defensive mind, of course, for years, he's a great D coordinator. Like, he brings the pressure. He coaches defense the way the kind of defense I like as an Eagles fan growing up with Buddy Ryan and Jim Johnson. Like, bring the pressure. And they did. And they made life miserable for Jalen Hurts, and it really, really showed. Uh, please don't spew more vomit as uh, I ask you another question about the Eagles, Adnan. But what's next for this team? You, you mentioned in your last answer that uh, you're hoping that Jason Kelsey can come back. I, I I would be surprised if that seems to be the case. He seems, I mean, hey, he'll, he said you'll let us know when it comes time uh, for us to know about what his plans are. But for a team that started so well this past well, this past regular season, what do you do with this roster? What's next for this team? What can you do? What should they do? Yeah, that's where it gets tricky, Julian, because you have to look in the mirror and say, are we the 10-1 and team or are we the team that went 1-7 down the stretch? And it's like anytime you get feedback, the answer generally lies in the middle, right? Like it's, it's not all the way good and it's not all the way bad. And you know, even when they were winning those games, those are close, tight games. They showed a lot of heart. I mean, to beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead, to beat the Bills in that wild back-and-forth game, there's a lot to like about this team. But I think certainly defensively, they have a lot of problems. And, again, only one pro bowler, Hassan Reddick. Their D-line was thought to be the strength of this team. You know, I've been, I've been an Eagles fan for 30-plus years. They never really care about linebackers and safeties. They really just care about their defensive line. And the thought process is if we have, you know, big D tackles, Fletcher Cox, Jalen Hurts, et cetera, uh, Jalen Carter, excuse me, and you have great defensive ends, you know, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, et cetera, then that's how we're going to win the game. Put pressure on them. And instead what happened is that if you beat the Eagles line, you you win. Like, if you get a three-second sec- drop or a five-second drop, th- their safeties aren't very good. Their linebackers weren't very good. And their corners really took a step back. I mean, Darius Slay was not big play Slay. And Bradbury was terrible. I mean, every Awful. single he was getting picked on. Like, I mean, just, just abysmal, right? Like, I'll never forget that Seahawks game, that final drive by Drew Locke, those final four passes, mm-hmm. they just kept going after whoever Bradbury was covering. Like, if it was on the right side of the field, left side of the field, they're just going to pick on Bradbury. And he was, he was tough to watch. So, well, I think moving forward, you say, first thing, is Kelsey coming back or not? And he's going to go down, fellas. Not just as one of the great Eagles ever, one of the greatest centers ever. I mean, he's one of only five centers who's a six-time All-Pro. The other five are all in the Hall of Fame. It's incredible what he's done as an Eagle and just as a football player. So he's a future Hall of Famer. I hope he comes back, but I'm probably skeptical. You know, he's 36. He's had enough. If he wants to keep playing, he would at a high level, but maybe it's just time to move on. And that's really the first question is what happens there? How do you replace Kelsey? And then offensively, you know, Hurts is the guy. I think he's a great player. I think he was banged up a little bit this year, knee injury, dislocated finger, obviously. Too many turnovers. Got to work on that, all those picks. But I do think a lot of it goes to Sirianni. Like, I really do. Like, I, I'm normally not that guy who's just fired the coach. And he took him to the playoffs three straight years, and they made the Super Bowl a year ago. But it's really tough to look one and seven in the face and not say that's got to be on the coach. Because when things are falling apart, you've got to be that guy who can kind of resurrect things. And they look like a rudderless ship. I mean, once the Niners beat them, they just look like they got punched in the mouth and we're not the same team and lacking confidence and all the rest of it. So 
I go out and get Jim Harbaugh and give him whatever he wants. If he says no, I go out and get Bill Belichick, give him whatever he wants. <laughs> and then, and then maybe at that point, if I say, well, if there's nobody else who's an upgrade, maybe maybe I get Pete Carroll if he's uninterested. Then I might skip a Sirianni, but he's definitely in the hot seat for good reason. And again, they've got playmakers. It, the most important thing for me is you have the quarterback. Hurts is a great player. You've got great players around him. Asia Brown's great. Devontae Smith was awesome. Eight catches, 148 yards. Goddard's a great tight end. You know, Swift's a good running back. But that still makes it so frustrating that you go, man, for a team that has so many weapons, how they look so bad down the stretch. And defensively, they really need a big overall. They've got to draft a bunch of different guys. And, and Kelsey might be done. Fletcher Cox is in his 12th season. Brandon Graham, 14th season. Like yep. Those guys may move on. So this, this really could be a big change in the guard for the Eagles in terms of their identity and their leadership-type players. In conversation with uh, Adnan Verk uh, from the MLB and NHL Network, and if, if he could, he could moonlight as the uh, Philadelphia Eagles GM. If he could, uh, I'd like for I, I, you. You gave us as much as you could on your Eagles. I'll spare you the trouble. Uh, in terms of the uh, remaining uh, matchups in the playoffs, we got Texans Ravens on the Saturday, uh, Packers Niners, and then uh, the Bucks and the Lions on the Sunday, and Chiefs Bills to end off the divisional round. Uh, what's your take on all these matchups? Which one are you looking for? to the most so as always there's always a, a positive side to everything julian and as miserable as that loss was of course nothing could dampen my spirits after i heard the cowboys were getting their butts kicked I mean, that was just absolutely absolutely glorious you know what i mean it's it's literally it's like a two-part question did the eagles win did the cowboys lose and both will give me a strong reaction so as upset as i was when philly lost money and trust me it's still sticking with me dallas losing and to lose in that fashion is absolutely incredible and gives me such joy. So if it's not going to be the Eagles year, as long as it's not the Cowboys, I'm good with that, especially the fact they got trounced, right? If, if they lost in a close game, then it's, it's you know, a little bit... Actually, you know what? I enjoy that, too, because then, then they get their hopes up. That's, 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 to be honest, that's kind of fun for me, too. But but if they get destroyed like they did, and Zach throws a pick six, their defense got obliterated, like, trust me, that gives me a lot of joy. Um, also, last year, remember you'd mentioned the Steelers-Bills, and I told you, I'm not that into it because I don't think it'll be a close game, and it wasn't. That's why I was like, yeah, Bills are going to roll them, and they did. But now that's the game of the week, and I can't wait to see. Oh, my God. Sunday at 630, let's go. Bills, Chiefs, clear my schedule. It has been such a good rivalry, and I think the Bills cautiously have the edge at home the way they played these last four or five weeks. But, of course, you're betting against Mahomes. Good luck doing that in the playoffs. I think it could be an epic game. I honestly can't wait. And... Again, being from Southern Ontario, I pull for the Bills because I have so many friends who are Bills fans. So I, I would love nothing more to see the Bills go all the way. God, what a great story it'd be considering all the adversity that they have overcome. But they got to get through Mahomes and the Chiefs first. So I think if they beat them at home, that would be awesome to see. Other games, to be honest, I'm not as excited. You know, Texans, Ravens, I don't think it's a particularly sexy matchup. Although, Strouds are an amazing story. Like, God, if they pulled it off, that would really be remarkable. But I hope Lamar and company do so. I, I, I generally pull for him. Uh, Niners-Packers, again, love. I'm not going to underestimate him ever what he did against the Cowboys, but I would think the Niners are the heavy favorite in that instance. And then I, as far as the Lions are concerned, I mean, it's pretty funny to think about, boys, if I told you a couple months ago, one of the Lions or the Bucks will be in the NFC Championship game. Oh, my Jeez. God. Right? And that, that's exactly what we're looking at. So my dream matchup is probably Lions-Bills, because I would feel so great for both of those fan bases. It never works out that way. So one of them will probably lose this weekend. <laughs> I hope they both win this weekend. Although I tell you, man, the Bucks—they look great. And I, I'm not a big Baker guy because he's so cocky. But um, 
He's played with a lot of gusto, man. He's really picked apart that Eagles defense, and they've got weapons. Like, Evans had a pretty quiet game, but Mike Evans is a great receiver. There are other guys stepped up, and they've got some good players on defense. Antoine Winfield, one of my favorite names in football, Vita Vea. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucs give him a good matchup, but I, I'm really pulling hard for Detroit. I, for the, the great fans of that city, and after Michigan won the national championship, how cool would it be to see the Lions go all the way to the Super Bowl? It would be amazing. Man, I'm getting hyped just waiting in anticipation <laughs> for this weekend already with the way you're talking about each matchups. I want to get to, uh, you mentioned CJ Stroud, uh, a young quarterback doing amazing things in Houston, bringing them to the playoffs, getting that massive win over Cleveland. You can't forget about uh, Jordan Love, a young quarterback out in Green yeah. Bay who carved up uh, the Dallas Cowboys, much to uh, your delight. Between those two, which of those two quarterbacks impressed you the most last weekend? You know, it's a great question. I would say Stroud, only because Houston, I felt like at some point, you know, they're, they're going to fall down a little bit. Dallas, I was never really taken with their defense. and Their offense is pretty impressive, but defensively, I thought they had some holes, and Love was able to exploit them. Now, probably nobody's played quarterback better than Jordan Love the last two months. So he's been amazing. But, but I think the Stroud story really is remarkable. I mean, for a rookie to come there and to have that kind of an impact, again, baseball is the sport closest to my heart, so it makes me think of, like, Buster Posey and the Giants or Adley Rutschman and the Orioles or Derek Jeter and the Yankees. You know, when a rookie comes up and all of a sudden the entire team's culture has changed, it's always pretty impressive to me. And that's what Stroud's done with the Texans. And I don't see how D'Amico Ryans isn't the coach of the year. I mean, this team was a laughing stock. And for them to not only make the playoffs, but win a playoff game is borderline insane. And Stroud has played with such confidence and such poise. He's able to move in the pocket. He's got a big arm. It's, um, I think it's been an amazing story. But both those guys, it proves once again where the NFL is in such good hands, right? Even if there's an upset here or there, you can get behind a pretty good story. Like the fact that Joe Burrow and the Bengals are not in the playoffs, you would think would hurt the NFL at some level. He's an exciting young quarterback. But that's the greatness of football. Nope, another great young quarterback pops up like a mushroom in like a Super Mario Brothers movie. You know, there's another one. CJ Stroud is another And he's got a great story and love as well. And by the way, I mean, how much must we all hate Packers fans? You got Brett Favre, then you get Aaron Rodgers, and now you get Jordan Love. I, I, I know Love's not quite there, but think about how many teams, fellas, can't get one quarterback, and these guys may have a succession of like 30 years of great quarterbacks. It's nuts. Yeah, Julian, what's it like to cheer for a team without a franchise quarterback? Oh, yeah, I don't want to go into that, okay? What's yeah. the- hey, hey, we have one. Hey, hey. We have one. He's just an idiot who got threatened to be sued anyway. Yeah, no, it's no, it's no worries. It's just uh, it's the life of a Jets fan. Yeah, well, well, how's your uh, franchise quarterback doing? He's fine. He just doesn't have a coach, okay? Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> the loser game show stand, yes. <laughs> still, still have one. Uh, one more NFL thing for you, uh, Verk. Ian Rappaport of uh, NFL Network reporting today that the Falcons – and Bill Belichick are meeting up for the second time. Uh, Arthur Blank wants Bill Belichick bad. How strange would it be to see Bill Belichick patrolling the sidelines in Atlanta? Yeah, it's definitely unnerving. Once you say that, I actually picture him like, you know, fans doing a tomahawk chop around me. He's wearing like the black and white of the Falcons. It, it would be odd. And, you know, I had a friend of mine who was saying he wants no part of Belichick. And what are you talking about? He's the greatest coach of all time. How could you not want him? And he's like, no, I just think when you get to a certain age, a certain point, I go, the game's passing by because of one bad year with the Patriots. So uh, I think there's enough people out there that think that way, that Belichick would want to prove them wrong. I still think he's a great coach. I think if he has good players around him, he'll be successful. Um, 
And I hope it's Atlanta if it's not Philly because I'm worried that Dallas will go after him. Although the story I read today was that Mike McCarthy's staying, which is just, I mean, if the news couldn't get any better for Cowboys haters, the, the fact that Mike McCarthy will still be the get coach just makes me laugh and makes me so delighted. So um, <laughs> as long as he's going to the Cowboys. I I'm love like, the shade. I hope I, I, Oh, yeah. I hope Mike McCarthy signs a contract extension. That'd be fantastic news <laughs> for all the Cowboys haters. The but, only thing uh, that would yeah, make Verk would... happier is if Tom Cruise was a Cowboys fan. Oh, my had God. To have that kind of... <laughs> what's this hate for Tom Cruise? Oh I, didn't, I didn't know you I hate Tom Cruise. What's up with Tom, what, what's oh up with Tom Cruise? We, we may need more time, Julian. But, <laughs> next time. Next time. We got to talk about this. We got to talk about this. I'm very curious about this now. Okay, I'll do it for you in 30 seconds. So I saw a documentary called Going Clear, the case against Scientology a few years ago. Right. changed my life. I said I'll never watch a Tom Cruise movie ever again. Wow. I think he's a vile human being, and I think he's the face of an organization and a cult that has done irreparable damage to people. And my view is that I get that he's a movie star that's undeniable. I get that he's a decent actor. I don't think he's great, but he's a decent actor. But what he's done and what he stands for is just despicable. So I, I can't support him on any level. I hope one of these stunts goes awry one day. I know he brags about all his stunts all the time. I just... I said right now, you you watch that documentary and you see what this guy's all about. You'll hate Tom Cruise, and I uh, I can't support him on any level whatsoever. It's just so good. I hope one of those stunts goes awry. I can just see Verk going off, just watching Tom Cruise going off that mountainside, and Verk's going, "I want this just the trail left, trail left." This whole parachute doesn't work. Guys, let's 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 compose. Every single time they brag, they go, "Oh my god, I did his own stunts." They go, "One time, that's not going to go the way you want." Okay, keep bragging. And then, okay, cool. And then, no, don't do this. Don't do this. Oh my god. My buddy said, because if Tom oh, Cruise God. dies to death, do you realize the cops will go right to your door? Like, you're easily the number one. Yeah, oh, for sure. Ferk wants there to be 10 Mission Impossibles just so that Tom yeah. continues to uh, to go with these stunts. Yeah. Oh, my exactly. God. Keep flirting with disaster, buddy. Keep cheating death. Eventually, death is going to win. Go ahead. Keep trying. Keep flying airplanes without parachutes. Do it. Yeah. Do you, man. Dri- drive off the ramp on that bike. Oh, yeah. Yeah. First, going to try to be a studio says, hand. Uh, says, when people ask me, they go, what's Tom Cruise's best performance? I go, the time he was on Oprah jumping up and down. <laughs> that's the real Tom Cruise. He's psychotic. Like, he's an insane person. Go out and stay home. That's Nicole Kidman. He's nuts. Oh, God. Okay. Logan Logan Gordon uh, is crying so in the studio right I now. Just, I have I've never, known that for so long. I've and never just, seen him laugh this hard. I, I didn't realize I had it. unearthed something oh, yeah. something in you with that. It's so good. All right. So, yeah. thank you for the Coles notes on why you don't like Tom Cruise. I understand. I get it. I get it. Uh, um, on a more positive note, I know you guys... Uh, <laughs> I know you guys uh, hit on this during Cinephile in the, the latest episode yesterday, which I highly recommend everybody check out. But, dude, the photos you were throwing out from the Critics' Choice Awards, oh. unbelievable. Farrell, Ham, Giamatti, uh, you got De Niro in on a picture. Like, what was it like for you? I mean, he wasn't looking at you, and he didn't overly seem to know who you were, but you still got the picture, man. <laughs> It was awesome, man. It was such a cool night. I got to thank the Critics' Choice Association and, of course, my buddy Ben Lyons, like Donnie Brasco, you know, friend of mine, friend of ours. He's the one that got me into this organization. And once you're in, you're in. You pay 150 bucks a year, and you get all the screeners sent to you from mid-November to mid-December, so I get to watch every movie. And one of the perks is they send you to the uh, award show, the Critics' Choice Awards, which was on CW. 
Which, by the way, is why I wasn't watching the Packers game. My brother at one point texted me, can you believe this game? I go, what are you talking about? Then I checked the score. I'm like, yes! Like, I thought I was excited to watch Harrison Ford walk by me. Now I just thought Jordan Love threw another touchdown. I'm like, all right. Um, but it was awesome. And I, and I think the key in those situations is there's one of two people. Some people are just kind of shy and quiet and observe, and some people are aggressive. And I just told myself, you've got to be aggressive. You just stand here like a moron. There's no stories. You've got to have content for the podcast. And by the way, if someone blows you off, that'll be a good story for the podcast as well. So, thankfully, no one did. Everyone was super nice. You know, I love actors, man. They were, they were all in a great mood. And everyone was so kind. And I really, really played hard the Canadian card. You know, Seth yes. Rogen was walking. I just yelled at Seth. And right away, I'm like, hey, I'm Canadian. Oh, cool. Where are you from? He's from Vancouver. I'm from oh, nice. Toronto. Roping Kingston. Oh, cool. Quick picture. Yeah. And I said, hey, man, I love this at the end. He's like, oh, thanks so much. And he goes, don't worry. I'm still friends with him. Which is a reference to the fact him and James Franco don't talk anymore, but he met Jay uh, Baruchel. Oh, oh, okay. Jay Baruchel, yeah. Montreal guy. Yeah, that's my guy. Exactly right, Julie. That's what I said. I go, Montreal, I go, loves the Habs. He goes, yeah. And then Rogan goes, he's actually staying on my couch next week. I'm like, nice. I love Jay Baruchel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love Jay Baruchel. Um, Great and team. You always have the positives. Yeah. But who, who sucked? Like, who, like, you can tell me if, if Bill Hader wasn't the coolest dude ever. He seems cool. But, like, if Hader sucked, you can tell us. You don't have to... You don't have to sugarcoat it for us. So I'll say this. Uh, Keeper Sullivan, by the way, was great. Again, Canadian. First thing I said, I'm Canadian. Where are you from? Kingston. He's like, oh, they make him tough in Kingston. I can tell you're a tough guy. Something like that. <laughs> so he was great. The one that was – I, I'm gonna, nobody was bad, I promise. I would tell you somebody okay. was bad. I know you, on, I know you would. A, yeah. But on a scale of 1 to 10, like if Giamatti was a 10, and he was as glorious as I thought he would be, and it was unbelievable. Like I was like, you understand, I've been a fan of this guy for 25 years. Yeah. Since Private Parts and Howard Stern and Pig Vomit. And I – I love his indie movies, American Splendor, Sideways, Win-Win, Barney's Version. We mainly talked, by the way, about Canada. Because what I said to him was, I've heard you on four podcasts, and you haven't mentioned the movie I love. He's like, what's that? I go, Barney's Version. And he goes, oh, man, I absolutely love that movie. I'm like, yeah. And I said, well, it's important to me because when you won the Golden Globe, you mentioned Canada and the great city of Montreal. And right away he goes, you must be Canadian. And I said, yeah. He goes, the only people that mention that movie to me are Canadians and Italians. I'm not sure why the Italians do because yeah, I go, listen, Morde- I said, Mordecai Ritzler. I mean, if you're Canadian, everyone's read Mordecai Ritzler. He's like, yeah, of course, of course. Well, I, I know now after doing done the movie. So I said, you know, Scott Stevens in that movie. Dustin Hoffman's hilarious. Yep. He plays Giamatti's dad. So Giamatti went like, went like two solid minutes on Montreal, Canada, Barney's version. And then I said, win-win, which, Logan, you may have seen. He plays a wrestling coach. It's with Bobby Cannavale, Jeffrey Tambor. Great indie movie. Came out like 2010, 2011. Yeah, yeah, that's a great movie, too. So I found out the way of the actor's heart is mention movies that nobody has seen, but they're passionate about it. Then I mentioned The Phenom, which is a baseball movie he did with Ethan Hawke. He said, yeah, Ethan Hawke's great in that movie. So that was our conversation. But So Giamatti was a 10. The guy who was about a 3 was John Hamm. Because he was three tables over. Yeah. And I said, in the commercial break, let me get him. Because in the commercial breaks, everyone kind of gets up, and they all mingle. So rather than just sit there and stare at my phone, and, and by the way, nobody knew at my table. I did not have a good table. I was at table 107, so I was kind of just like, yeah, whatever. And I suddenly just go talk to John Hamm. He's a big sports guy. Yeah. So I went over, and like I waited for like He wasn't eating. He was just talking to his wife. I'm like, just wait for an opening. I just stood there. He kind of looks at me, and I'm like, hey, John, just wanted to send a huge fan. I know you're a big sports fan like me. You know, you love the Cardinals, the Blues. And he's not registering at all. Like, he's looking at me, but he's not, yeah. he's not nodding. He's not smiling. So I like, he doesn't care. And I go, you did, you, you did great work with the NHL Network. I worked with uh, Jamie Hirsch, my friend. You did a thing with her last year with the Blues uh, at the All-Star game. Again, nodding, not smiling, not like, please, not talking back. And then I said, and my friend Scott Rogowski says to say hi. He goes, oh, yeah, Scott. Okay, cool. I'm like, okay, nice to meet you. And then that was it. And, and later, because my wife loves him because he's so handsome, he was waiting for his wife outside the bathroom. And I said, now this is really embarrassing. I know he definitely doesn't want to talk to me, but I go, hey, I'm sorry, John. Can I just get a quick picture for uh, Scott Rogowski? He's like, yeah, sure. And as you can see by the picture, he looks fine. Like he's, no. He was polite. I'm not going to blast him, but he was not friendly. Whereas Giamatti, friendly. Seth Rogen, friendly. 
Uh, Kiefer Sutherland's friendly. Uh, Bill Hader was okay. I think Bill Hader's just naturally a little awkward. Like, I've read about him. He has, like, social anxiety and stuff. So, yeah. he's super, like, just, he's, he's just kind of a sick. But he was so polite. I said, oh, man, I love Barry. It's a great show. He's like, oh, thanks, man. And I said, I love the fact you're a big cinephile. Like, you love Scorsese like me. Like, you love old movies. Like, oh, yeah, I, I watch TCM all the time. So, like, he's a he's a real movie nerd. But he was great. Uh, the guy who actually, this is the funniest part. The only people you seem the most excited about is Succession. So, Kieran Culkin walked by. I didn't get a picture with him. But I just said, hey, I loved your speech at the Golden Globes. And you said, suck it, Pedro. And he laughed, and he goes, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. That was bad. That was bad. But Matthew McFadden, who plays Tom, was walking out. And as he was walking out, I said, hey, oh, my God, Matthew, how are you? He said, good, good. And then I can't see the line on the radio. I'll text it to you, Logan. But I said, you have the funniest line ever in succession. I say the line, which is not for fair. He gives a big belly laugh, like, oh, my God. He goes, oh, and he has a British accent. People don't realize, right? He's yeah. not Tom from the Midwest. He's like Matthew McFadden. Like, he's like, he played like Darcy. Like, he's like one of the classic British actors. And he goes, oh, I had trouble saying some of those lines. I was always laughing so hard. I'm like, okay, great. Can I get a picture? He's like, yeah. And he's tall. Like, everyone there is short. Everyone there is my height. Billy Crudup, a handsome guy, 5'7", five, 5'8". Seven, five, everyone is 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, and then Matthew McFadden is like 6'3". And the tallest guy there is Nick Braun, who plays Cousin Greg. That guy is like 6'7". I was like, dude, if, if, if Mitchell Robinson's going to be out for a while, you should go to the Knicks and sign a 10-day contract because you look gigantic, <laughs> especially in this room of a bunch of short actors. But everybody's really cool. Last thing on De Niro. So I kept looking every commercial break where he was sitting. I could not find him. Yeah. And sure enough, incredible timing. As everyone is leaving, the show is over. Ben Lyons, my dear friend, says to me, here's your De Niro moment. And so he was just walking out. And I literally just go, hey, Bob, how are you? Stuck out my hand, shook his head. <laughs> and Ben, being the prankster that he is, took the picture. So it wasn't that he was dismissing it, but we just, I mean, he was leaving. Yeah, we don't have anything to say. But, but, he, but he shook my hand and smiled. And that was it. That's the second time I got to meet Bob DeNiro, who's the best. Wow. See, next time you're with him, you missed your intro. It's that John has spent time in our great city of Calgary mm-hmm. filming Fargo. Right. And had attended oh, a Flames game. It was a big deal. Got a big ovation from yeah. the crowd. I was there for that. Our pal Ryan Leslie got to interview him during one of the intermissions. You just you had the wrong in ad, man. You gotta you gotta yeah. focus. You gotta get a little more Calgary time. I'm sure John Hamm would have been all over you You're after right. that. Yeah, I went Cardinals. I went Blues. Like I may have dropped a Joe Buck. I know he's a big sports guy, but nothing. He was just. Just you know, someone staring at you, politely listening, but they're they're not engaged in the conversation. I mentioned Fargo at the end. I said, "By the way, I'm loving Fargo." And he just goes, "Yeah, this is the Fargo channel." Something like that. I go, "Okay, well, uh, on my way." <laughs> <laughs> I told Julian the one that I'm the most jealous of because I would I would have it as my profile picture for the end. It's Farrell. It, it really is yeah. the the oh, yeah. laughs so that Farrell. that guy's so- got for me, man. Oh yeah. So so Ben says to me over under two people recognize you. And I said, like, under. I go, none of these people know who I am. Like, they don't, they're not sports fans. They're movie people. The one that recognized me was Will Ferrell. Oh, my because God. Because I went to talk Amazing. to him. Yeah, the one I was talking Yeah, I was talking to Rami Youssef, who I adore. I love his show. Yep. And I joked to hey, we're, we're the only two Muslims here. Might as well say hello. <laughs> <laughs> so I, so that was a pretty good line to use with Rami. He enjoyed that. So, so Rami and I had a couple of laughs, and he's from Jersey, so that was good. And after I'm keeping, I looked around, I see Will Ferrell, and they literally catch you down the break, by the way. They go 30 seconds, 20 seconds, and it was 10 seconds. And I go, here's my chance. And I go, I tackle, I go, hey, Will, I just to and he knew right away. He goes, oh, I know you are. I watch you all the time. I love your college football analysis. And I go, oh, my God, thank you so much. He's like, yeah. I go, my, my friend, I go, my friend Max Bradas wants to say hi because he works for LAFC. He goes, oh, Max is the best. Make sure you give him my best. He's like, oh, he's awesome. I go, quick stuff. He's like, yeah, of course, man. He's like, oh, great media. So Will Ferrell was very friendly. He was awesome. Thank God. That's the one that I was the most worried about. The last thing that I wanted to hear. Was you come on here and he's just, yeah, Farrell sucked. Just the worst human no, no, being okay. ever. Blew me <laughs> off. I was like, longer. oh my God. Please. Like Team Adam McKay or, or, <laughs> yeah. or John C. Riley. Well, actually, no, yeah, yeah. John C. Riley and uh, Will Ferrell, I think, are 
back on speaking terms, it seems like, right? Yeah, I think the beef is between McKay and Farrell. Because McKay yeah, works, McKay. of course, at Metal Arc, which I do as well. So I never, when we hired Adam McKay, I'm like, oh my God, we got to get Will Farrell. They're like, eh, not sure those guys are that tight right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you want more uh, from Ben Lyons and Adnan Verk's time uh, at the Critics' Choice Award, make sure you check out the Cinephile Podcast. They dropped their latest episode uh, yesterday. Verk, we've taken up too much of your time, but we appreciate it, man. Thanks for hopping on again. All right, Logo, Julian. I appreciate it, guys. Take care. Take care. Adnan Verk joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar, Guest Hotline, NHL Network, NFL, uh, MLB Network, excuse me, and uh, the Cinephile Podcast. And I love those stories, man. I'm a, I'm a movie nerd. Dog. And I listen to Cinephile every week, and those are the ones that, you know, when you get those one, it's, it's not every day you get to, to meet some of those celebs and, you know, bump shoulders with guys and see what they're like. I, I love those stories. Could we, like, ask a question for the text line? I don't know if you guys had anything planned, um, but him talking about meeting John Hamm, I know it wasn't to that level, but it would be cool to hear stories from people about when they've met celebrities and it completely disappointed them, like... They say never meet your heroes, yeah. but like, I'm sure there are people who were all like, man, like I'm excited to meet this guy. I remember like a go, like a year or two ago, I was at a, a Montreal Expos uh, charity event in Montreal every year. Um, there's this really big super fan who puts together an event and he gets all of these former Montreal Expos players to come in. Like not just like, you know, guys who were like a DH in like 1987 or whatever, like Big guys like like Pedro Martinez has come in. Bartolo Colon has been there. Vladimir Guerrero. And the year I got to go, uh, I went up to Vladimir Guerrero. I go up to Bartolo Colon. I got a photo of Bartolo Colon. I went up to Vladimir Guerrero. That like that's one of my favorite players of all time. And I'm ready to go up to this guy. I'm like, can I can I get a photo with you, man? And he just looked at me. He's like, Nah, man, no photo. I was like, Oh, oh. But I I still love oh. I still love I still love Vladimir Guerrero. But that broke my heart, man. That broke my heart. So, yeah, uh, text 960-960, the fan, if you have any of those stories. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think if I have any. Oh, we already got one that came in. Can I read this? this yeah, one? man, go for it. Um, from uh, Wedley Bridalwood. I don't know if that's the name. Uh, no, Wedley in Bridalwood. Okay, like Wedley a, in Bridalwood. Give, text us your name, where you're at, and uh, tell us your story. an OG here. Shout out OG. I got big time by Ryan Leslie at a Flames Equipment sale. That'll happen. No. That'll happen. Ryan I've heard, Leslie? I've heard that. No. I've heard he's, he'll do that. No. I think that's possible. Oh, my God. No, I, I, no, I'm I just kidding. <laughs> Unless he's to listening. Say, he's no not. Way. But. Ryan, Ryan, we've got to talk to Ryan about this. But, yeah, text in uh, 960, 960 uh, your stories of uh, what a celebrity has disappointed you. Uh, we'll dive into some of those. couple quick texts coming in uh, from our chat with Virk. Funny stuff. You guys got me laughing. Uh, Coleman and Duchess says, Vert talks like when I listen to podcasts on two times speed. <laughs> and uh, Curtin Copperfield says, is there any better person than Adnan Vert? Humble and human, but so, so talented. Brings it every time you have him on. I'm a big fan. Great job. We love having Adnan Vert on every week. He's so good. You'll hear him next Thursday again. Uh, love chatting with the guy. He's one of the best in the biz. Uh, so is my co-host, Julian McKenzie. We're along with you on this Thursday. We will take a break. Come back on the side. Maybe we'll share some more of our celebrity stories if you guys have enough of them on the text line. But we'll also take a look at Brad Treliving's uh, legacy left in Calgary as he makes his return to uh, the city where he was the GM for almost a decade. We'll dive into that when Sportsnet Today rolls on. You're on Sportsnet 960, the fan. All right, final segment of the hour. Julian and Logan along with you. Before the break, we asked you... 
some of your favorite celebrity interactions after uh, we just chatted with Adnan Verk, who was at the Critics' Choice Awards and was bumping shoulders with Will Ferrell and Paul Giamatti and De Niro and all these great celebs. And uh, Julian shared a cool story, a disappointing story, I guess. I still love you, Vladimir Guerrero. I still love Vladdy. Um, so we got a couple of these that we'll we'll bring to you. I've got a couple. Yeah, when I was yours. when I was young, before your time. Okay, this is a long time ago. They haven't done these in a long time, Julian. So you wouldn't know about these. The Flames used to do um, Fan Fest. Okay, uh, long time Flames fans will remember Fan Fest. I'm sure there's some of you on the text line uh, at nine six zero nine six zero that remember Fan Fest, like early two thousands. Um, players would be set up at different spots around the dome, um, either in the concourse or in the seats, mm-hmm. and you could line up to meet them and get an autograph or a picture or whatever. And being a Calgary kid, of course, I loved Jerome McGinley. Yeah. And I waited in the line for Iggy. I was so excited to meet him. And funny enough, uh, the guy in front of us in line was actually uh, a business partner of my dad's who was with me. And had a camera with him, and we didn't bring a camera. We didn't, I didn't know if I could get a picture or what. And so, luckily enough, I got to meet Jerome, and I got a picture of him when I was a small kid. Oh wow! Um, it's my one of my parents' favorite photos of all time. It's one of mine. Uh, he wasn't even captain; he still had the fire A on his on his jersey. Wow. So that's one of my favorite ones. Um, as a Calgary kid, I, I loved that, and um, that was a lot of fun. That's really nice. Yeah, it was as a Calgary kid, it's hard to go wrong with Jerome. Like Jerome's always I've never heard a bad Dude. story about Jerome. I had to interview Jerome for a story last summer and I mean I just one of my favorite players growing up. So like getting to like as the journalist, you gotta be professional and 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 go through those interactions as professionally as you can. But like the inner child in me was just like, Oh my god, 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 oh my god. And he's such a nice guy, uh very personable. Like can't think of any bad things to say about about Jerome McGinley. The other celebrity experience I had, I, if you don't know the show, you won't care. I met Kenny and Spenny. Okay, I've heard of Kenny the show. Kenny versus Spenny. It's, a, the it's an old uh, Comedy Central show. And the one I missed out on when I was in university, um, we went to the Calgary Film Center, which is an awesome, awesome venue here in Calgary that we're so lucky to have. Um, they were doing some filming on Fargo in the building. Oh, nice. And that was the season Ewan McGregor okay. was a part of. And... The lady who was doing our tour said, I don't know if they're shooting today, but you might be there. And if he is, we'll see if we can. If I had the chance to meet Ewan McGregor, I would have fanboyed <laughs> like <laughs> crazy, man. That's that's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Like the Ewan McGregor list of of movies is, is unbelievable. Uh, I didn't get a chance to meet him. I'm still hopeful that one day he'll be within reach and i'll be able to say hey man you were in calgary filming fargo and that'll be like my my in to meet ewan mcgregor um from his time filming fargo but yeah that's like the closest one i've i've ever come to that that would have been like the the true fanboy in me there's a lot of really good ones coming in on the on the text line at 960 960 um there's one i I really want to there's a couple cool ones but there's one i really want to read that i think is hilarious I was Eric Francis's mailman for a few years. He always gave me a heartfelt Christmas card uh, with a nice Christmas tip enclosed. Don't believe what you hear. That guy's a sweetheart. This person didn't leave their name and location, so I assume they're lying. 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I saw that text. The first thing I did was like, I went to my contacts and I was like, is that that Eric Francis's number? Is Eric tweeting? Is Eric texting in good things about himself so people don't dump on him? It's a joke. It's a joke. Eric is actually we a very nice Eric. person. We, have we love fun. Eric over here. That's a, that's a, I believe. I'm sure that's a true story, and uh, it doesn't surprise me uh, in the least bit. Um, apparently, this guy said he met Spike Lee at a sneaker store in NYC and got totally uh, blown off, <laughs> saying "What's up, Spike?" And apparently, Spike said, "I don't have bleeping time for you." Oh, jeez. That would disappoint me if I met Spike Lee. I'd be stoked. That's crazy. Like what? Like like I would love to know. Was it just like you were catching while he was leaving? Was he just being irritable? Just annoyed? I mean, I don't have bleeping time. Damn, that's that would cut me deep. I, uh, that would cut me deep. Absolutely. Wedley said he met Jason Priestley at Comic Expo. Comic Expo was a great, a great chance to meet some of your. I gotta go to your one of favorite those. celebs. I, I couldn't recommend it more. Uh, that was a good one. It was a long one from Mitch in Alderside. Yep. Not my story, unfortunately, but my cousin was living in New York and went to an oddity shop to buy some crazy Christmas gifts. He was in line for the till when he reached around the girl in front of him to check something on the counter. He accidentally bumped her. She turned around, and it was Natalie Portman, whom he had a crush Ooh. on, a major crush on forever. She must have thought he was being creepy because she had her bodyguard watch him until he left the store. He thinks about that ordeal often. Man, could you imagine you come across your celebrity crush, you accidentally bump her, and then you have to end up on a watch list? <laughs> That's awful. Sir, can you stand back six feet? Keep I'm, your distance. I'm not sick or anything. No, we just, we just don't want you anywhere near Natalie. It's Natalie Portman. Jeez. Oh, my God. Jeez. I wouldn't even know what to say. I don't know what it, I There's a, one of my favorite songs of all time is from Chaos. It's a, The title is called I Wish I Knew Natalie Portman. The song has nothing <laughs> to do with Natalie Portman, but I just love that title. Uh, Jordan from Cowtown says, I got to be in Fargo, my scene partner, Ewan McGregor. That is Great so cool. guy. Jordan, if that's true, if you were in Fargo, you get to be in Fargo in a scene with Ewan McGregor and he was a great guy, I am, I'm just, again, that's another one of those ones. It's like the Will Ferrell thing meeting at Dan Verk. I'd be so disheartened. Oh, man. If that guy was a Richard and just was mean to people, but apparently just, just the greatest Greatest thing ever. Oh, yeah. The, uh, please text in your name and your and your location to 96960 when you tell us these stories. We got another one here. Uh, Martin Lawrence walked through Planet Hollywood Casino in Vegas. A buddy went to say hello, and Martin screamed, I'm too drunk to talk to fans. Get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting story, and I didn't even know this. Uh, a good family friend of ours texting in, listen to the show all the time. Uh, Bill, apparently, my dad never told me this. Whoa. Uh, but apparently, my dad, uh, my dad and his buddies used to go on these golf trips all the time. Yeah. Uh, apparently, they were in Phoenix. First tee time in the morning. An old guy tried to cut in front of them. They were getting ready to tell him to go to hell. They looked back at it. It was Alice Cooper. He might have told them to go to hell a lot louder than they would. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, they just let Alice Cooper slide in front of them and they were going back and forth on the tees. With uh, with Alice Cooper and Phoenix, I don't know why my dad. Well, my dad probably might not know who Alice Cooper is. Yeah, that's also possible. But like, that's that's pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, Alice Cooper seems like a cool guy. He probably is. Uh, one from Cody and Drumheller. Uh, Jamie Ben. I ran into him downtown in Calgary. I asked for a picture. Looked at me and just walked away, not making a comment. Whatever. I was like eighteen, but then he, he big time me when I was a kid. Oof. I was like oof. <laughs> all respect lost. Absolute <laughs> clown move. <laughs> So just add that to the uh, that that's pretty that's pretty low for Jamie Ben. You, you don't have to you don't say that about him often. Uh, who's our uh, one of our favorite texters? 
Uh, said if I could be reborn as a celebrity, it would be Ewan McGregor or King Henrik. I think uh, Henrik Lundqvist has a pretty good has a pretty good pretty life. Good life in, right? Of the suits, he looks real good. I, doesn't he have his own cologne? Wasn't yeah, that a real thing? Probably he promoted got a that. Bit of everything. I was about to say, man. Uh, there's a lot of really good ones coming in. Colin Red Deer says ran into Robin Regeer at a random drilling site west of Rocky Mountain House, working as a summer student for my uncle. Uncle knew I was a fan, got me to give Robin and another guy a ride back to Rocky Mountain House Airport. Robin could not have been a nicer guy. Very easy to talk to. Ended up getting a photo in front of Rob Blake's private plane, and he asked for my address and ended up mailing me a signed photo of him hosting the cup. Dude went above and beyond. Absolute class act. Yeah, I've met Robin Regeer a handful of times okay. over my uh, years in Calgary, and another guy right up there with Jerome as far as I've never heard anybody say a bad thing about Robin Regeer. Dude is just a top-tier human being, and I'm not at all surprised that uh, that he was a, a great and uh, a gracious uh, human being when you met him. Is we got time for a few more here? Yeah, let's roll. You uh, know what? This is so good. Keep it rolling. Uh, Dustin in Calgary. Me and some friends used to have morph suits, all of us different colors. We all wore them to Stampede one year. And while waiting in line for the fireball, this very large security guard is moving his way through the crowd to make way for Sean Desmond. I don't know if you guys remember. Shan, yep. Shan, Shan and Cameron might be too young for Sean Desmond. I remember Sean Desmond. Who is yeah. Sean Desmond? Okay, I figured Shan wouldn't be in the loop. Cam, Cam I mean, Cam, you got good, good music taste. We'll talk about that. Thank anyway, you. Sean Desmond, uh, Canadian pop. Uh, is Canadian pop icon? I, I, I like Sean Desmond. I don't yeah, know if Canadian icon is. Pop. Canadian yeah. pop star. Sure. He stopped right in front of me and dropped his sunglasses down a bit, looked me in the eyes and said, whoa, that's cool, as he stroked my chest. All these screaming girls around were losing it, and I was just flabbergasted. Like, what just happened? <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, Sean, Doze, Sean Desmond stroke your chest like that? Uh, I remember sure. my father's experience with uh, Alice Cooper. A couple texts come in. Oh, One man. says, Alice Cooper is also a pretty much scratch golfer, too, which apparently I wouldn't be surprised if he's a big-time golfer. He's really good at it. Uh, and this guy says, I played indoor golf with Alice Cooper in Saskatoon. Great human being. So okay, well, Alice Cooper. I gotta say, I, I think uh, if you hang out with your dad again, there might be a chance. I do remember. Um, this is just a side note. One being downtown where our studio is. I don't know if anyone on the text line remembers or not. Paul Rudd was in town mm-hmm. shooting the new Ghostbusters that he was in, and apparently was at Hudson's just a few blocks away from us here. I still haven't been just to in yet. store or just in the restaurant watching sports one night, and uh, all the reports out of. The bar was he was just the nicest guy to everybody, yeah. super uh, okay with people coming up and saying, hey, can I get a picture? Can I get an autograph? Apparently, the dude was just an absolute uh, beauty of a human being when he was in Calgary. That doesn't so. surprise me, man. He, Paul Rudd's like the one white celebrity who doesn't age. He's uh, just so good. Uh, another guy uh, texting in. I feel like that. Um, <laughs> I just had to add that in. Matter. For a porter in Calgary. Uh, hotel lobby in Tacoma at six in the morning. Megadeth's tour bus pulled up. Said good morning to Dave Mustaine. Told me to go <laughs> myself. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Jeez, this is crazy. Another guy, David C. I ate sushi with Prince. Really? His main photographer became a friend of mine by chance. What? Wow. Prince? You ate sushi with Prince? Must have had an iced tea with that sushi, Shan. Oh, my God. Wow. It's the best drink to have with sushi. Dude. Uh, which one did I want to read here? These are so good. Uh, Tanner and Airdrie says, I gave Vince Vaughn a fist bump at Venice Beach. He was playing basketball with his kids. 
Oh. I'd like to meet Vince Vaughn. Yeah, Vince Vaughn seems like he's funny. Vince Vaughn seems like he's a- not seems like he's funny. He absolutely is funny. He <laughs> seems like he would be a good person to to talk to. Uh actually there's a Hulk Hogan story, and I have a Hulk Hogan story I'll Okay, tell yeah, after let's this. go. Uh this is I don't know what the name is here, but met Hulk Hogan in an elevator downtown Calgary. He was there for a mustache contest, chatted a little, then he poked me in the chest and told me to have a good night, brother. Seemed very down to earth, filled the whole elevator. This is my Hulk Hogan story. Um, back when I was in Montreal, I interned for uh, the local sports station, um, and uh, Hulk Hogan was a guest who was calling in for uh, the uh, early, not the early morning show, but we'll call it the midday show. And he calls in, and my job is to you know pick up the phone, take his info, well, be like, oh God, it's Hulk Hogan, transfer him over to the other line. However, as I hung up on him, I did not transfer him to the other line. So we start the interview, and it's supposed to be us both. Our 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 host does this big intro for 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 Hulk Hogan. Of course, he's not there. And we're, I'm scrambling in the background trying to get him. We get him after like four or five minutes, but you know it, it goes over okay. And then after the host, like I, I look at him like, man, there's. I'm, I'm glad we weren't able to screw this up. And my host, the host, just looks at me. He's like, nah, buddy. You screwed this one up. I can't use the actual <laughs> word he, he used on me, uh, but I can tell everyone once upon a time I hung up on Hulk Hogan. Uh, my good buddy in Regina, uh, who works for the uh, Regina Police Service, um, during the summertime for picking up extra work. Yeah. Um, they have the Craven Music Festival, and uh, they need drivers and security, and so he spent a couple years driving. Uh, people from the Regina Airport out to Craven for their concerts. Yeah. Uh, he told me Blake Shelton. He drove him once from the hotel with a bunch of his bandmates. Said he was just a just the coolest dude ever, chugging beers in the back of the car and just getting ready for his his performance in salt in small town Saskatchewan. I love those kind of stories. Always pop up too. I think the musicians are always a a big one. I feel like the musicians are either like really good stories or like some of the ones we've heard where they're like. Leave me alone. Don't ever, yeah. like, don't talk to me. For once upon a time, the sexiest man alive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not laughing because it's not believable. Like, it's fine. He did some different strokes for different folks. Uh, is there another one we can get to before we wrap up here? Uh, quickly, I'll say, uh, I met Common, the rapper, in a bathroom at the Chicago airport waiting in line for the urinal. I asked him if Kanye was as crazy in real life as he appeared on TV, and his response was, Kanye is Kanye, man. Oh man, yeah, what a. Anyway, if we if we get me going on Kanye West, you're gonna have to give me another hour <laughs> on this show. Uh, four of us were. This is from Wayne and Blackie. Four of us were on a whole trip in Palm Springs. Went to the casino playing blackjack. There's an open chair. Troy Aikman joined in. I think he was drunker than us. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. You're just out here just play blackjack, and then all of a sudden, oh, no big deal. It's uh, one of the most successful. I've Dallas heard Cowboys a couple of good stories about uh, some people meeting up with uh, with John Daly. Oh, following up some of his appearances at uh, at Canyon Meadows Golf and Country Club for the Shot Classic presented by Rogers, by the way, uh, back in August. Yes, uh, the great people out there, Chris Dorn and the rest of the crew. Uh, FYI, one of the best golf events in Calgary. Mm. Uh, I've heard more than a few people have said, hey, I've ran into John Daly at this bar or the casino having a drink. And apparently just, the again, one of the nicest dudes. And why wouldn't you? That guy is just touring the world, golfing, yeah. having a blast, like no worries in the world. I've heard John Daly, uh, a very successful Calgary celeb uh, meeting around town. Oh. 
You got one more on you that you really like you want to get to before we get out of here? Because this um, has blown up the text I'm line. I'm telling you, I've never seen the text line blown up like this. I'm going to pick this one from Trevor uh, in Black Diamond. There's Black Diamond. You know, the one thing about being new to Calgary, like there's all these different like towns and cities I've had no idea about. <laughs> so hearing like, oh, Blackie, like, oh, okay. I didn't know that was an actual Alberta town. Anyway. Uh, I was singing the rodeo song with some dude at a music festival. Girls kept coming to get their photo with this person. Someone said to my wife, that's Chad's boy. Found out it was Chad Kruger. Oh. I had no clue. That's a nice one. That's really good. I like that one. This other guy texted in, met Chris Angel on the same trip to Vegas. I don't know if they had already texted in. Worst person ever. What did Chris Angel do to you? Mind freak. Oh yeah, that's yeah. maybe mind freak. He might have he might have gotten him on exactly. some music See? on some uh, magic trick or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, look, that's not how we planned this segment to go. But uh, yeah, I feel the... like there was so many. There was a whole Brad Tree Living segment that I'm sure Dude. we should have gotten to. It. I'm sorry. No, I'm, don't be sorry at all. That was awesome. Uh, the text line, as usual, uh, pulling through with some great stories. We really appreciate it. Uh, like we said, we just kind of bounced that off of our conversation with Verk, and uh, you guys took it and run with it. So uh, we appreciate that. Uh, that's going to do it for me and Julian on this Thursday. We got to get out of here. Real Kipper and Bourne's coming up. Steinberg's got Flames talk. And then, of course, our Flames coverage at 6 o'clock this afternoon. Getting you set for the Flames and the Leafs at 7 with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson. Thank you to our outstanding producers, Cam and Shan. Thank you for texting in on the text line at 960-960. We had a blast with you guys today. Julian is back tomorrow. Yes, sir. So we'll do it all again. Enjoy the Flames and the Maple Leafs. We'll be back to break it all down with you on another edition of Sportsnet today, uh, following the Leafs and the Flames. Have a great Thursday evening. Enjoy the hockey game. Chat with you tomorrow here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.